Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Raptor Queens podcast, the first ever all-woman podcast covering the Toronto Raptors. My name is Sarah Colel, and I am here with my other queen of the North, Allison Hope. Hi, Allison. Hey, Sarah. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi to all of our listeners. Yes, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening, and thank you so much for tuning in to our 2021 preseason episode. The Raptors have played three preseason games so far with two more schedules scheduled before they make their regular season debut at home in Toronto for the first regular season truly at home game since March 2020. Ontario has approved full capacity crowds for all of its major sports teams and Scotiabank Arena Raptors fans. They're sure to go nuts to welcome back their favorite basketball team. I am personally extremely excited about having basketball back in Toronto. What about you, Allison? It's going to be so exciting. We've waited so long for this. And I think even normally Taciturn Fred Van Vliet is excited because he was speaking to a journalist and he had made a comment about how it's going to be nice to have 20,000 people back. I think the impact of that can't be understated. But on the other side of it too, to have the G League back is maybe not as sexy, but it's very important to the success of this team going forward. So, you know, all around, this is really, really good news. I know. I I couldn't be happier. You know, I, I, it just makes me look forward to watching basketball that much more, knowing that they're at home with their, with their fans behind them, screaming their heads off. You know, I think about it and I think if I was at that first preseason, for the first regular season game, I think I'd probably burst into tears. <laughs> it's going to be lit. I know a couple of people who have season tickets and they are so excited. So I'm going to live vicariously through them. Yeah. Well, okay. congratulations Raptors for having your fans back and playing back in Toronto. That's already probably the biggest win of the season to start. So uh, yeah, very happy about that. Um, of course, coming back, this team looks so much different than the last time we saw them play in Toronto. This is basically a brand new roster with the exception of, I think four people who are still coming back with us, Pascal, OG, Fred, and Chris Boucher, I believe are the only ones who were on that team in 2020 before we were moved down to Tampa who were coming back, which is crazy. And we are still developing or choosing, the Raptors are still going to ultimately choose what their roster is going to look like um, for this season. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we can also talk a little bit about the new approach that the front office and the coaching staff seem to be taking with respect to the team's playing style. So that's also on the um, roster for today. We're going to look at some of the individual players on the team, what we'd like to see from them this year. And of course, take a look around the league at some other developing stories and think about hmm, what, what, what might be happening in the Eastern Conference this year. Anyway. It's preseason. Basketball's about to start. We're very excited. So here we go. We're going to take a look at, at uh, the, this, this year's roster. So what we know in terms of who's going to make this team or who we think is going to actually be set for the roster, um, some obvious ones. Pascal Siakam, of course, OG Ananobi, Fred Van, Le- Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Kem Birch, Gordon Dragic, um, <clears throat> Trent Junior likely will be there. Yuta Watanabe has been certainly making a good case for himself. Precious Achua has a lot of size and is likely to make the rest the roster as well. And then we have likely Malachi Flynn. Allison, did I miss anyone in terms of who you think will be on the roster for this season, or do you have any disagreements about who I've named? I don't think so. I think. Um... Utah isn't, uh, wasn't considered locked in for sure, but Nick Nurse let slip in one of his press conferences that um, with regard to his calf injury that he'd likely be available by opening night. So it sounds like it's a fait, a fait accompli. And he certainly showed us enough last year to, to be on this roster. Um, there's a lot of good things. And by all accounts, he had a great, um, great run in the Olympics. So I think he very much deserves to be there. I think you pretty much nailed everyone. You said Chris Boucher, right? I just. Uh, yeah, if, if I didn't yeah. say him, I certainly meant to. He's on my list. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah. So um, 
now that you've had a chance to watch three preseason games and really we're, you know, there are quite a few players who haven't played because of injury, including um, Pascal Siakam and Kemp Birch and Chris Boucher. So we haven't actually seen the full roster play together at all, but what are your initial impressions of the team? Okay. So it's super important. You pointed that out, Sarah, because we're not getting the full picture given those injuries. And I did hear today that Kem Birch has been cleared from the health and safety protocol. So we're going to be seeing him in the next game. Um, it's amazing to me to think that at this point, you know, approximately eight years into his tenure, we are finally seeing a team, a roster construction that is exclusively Masai Ujiri's well, and Bobby Webster, but Masai inherited a team. He did some rearranging around the edges. He made some big moves before the championship, but he inherited those players. Um, some of those were uh, prospects that came up through the uh, 905 system, but largely he cobbled together a team for the championship that was not of his own construction. So now we're finally seeing um, his priorities and his vision in a team. And I've got to say, it looks pretty exciting. Um, it's been fun to see the various combinations so far. And the combination that I was most impressed with, there was some very nice chemistry between Scotty Barnes and OG on the pick and roll. That was really fun to see. Um, it's kind of unfortunate again, the Pascal's not there, but I'm seeing just amazing versatility. Um, players that can do pretty much guard any assignment. I've been really impressed with Precious. He's very aggressive, very decisive. He plays way bigger than 6'8". Um, and I'm just noticing too, given the problems that we had re with rebounding last year, our rebounding is vastly improved. And even in the, uh, the Philly exhibition game with Embiid in, we were only out rebounded by, I believe it was three. And I just want to point out, again, we're not playing with a true center. So that was, um, that was good to see. As far as Scotty, I think we'll get more into that later. He's everything we were hoping for and more. Um, I think though, we have to temper our expectations. He's gonna hit some rough spots as a rookie and Raptors fans have shown their ability to be um, ungenerous in their comments, shall we say. So I, I think we need to remember that he's going to make mistakes and it's a long season. So um, I, I've also been super impressed with Svi Mihaljevic. Um, He looks very interesting. Um, this guy can do a little bit of everything. I don't think we're gonna touch on him in our roster assessment. That guy's like a Swiss army knife. He moves a lot like Utah. Um, he can shoot, he can finish. So, you know, there's, there are a lot of um, turnovers I've noticed. Um, I think a lot of that is lack of familiarity. These guys have just started playing together. Uh, we're just seeing basic uh, defensive schemes. I haven't seen much um, zone. It's just been straight man coverage. And I, I guess we have to establish the fundamentals first. Um, it's going to be a really exciting year. I just, I wonder, you know, if we're going to sit on that bubble of playing 500 and maybe get into the wild card spot um, or the play in as they call it. I'm still in the baseball mentality. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year and we're going to get to watch these guys grow. So I'm, I'm excited. What's your thought? Yeah, interesting. So I, I do think there's quite a lot of positives that you've already started to touch on. Um, and all of that is tempered with the fact that this is a very, very young team. So what I see in this team is I see a ton of speed. I see a ton of length and I see a lot of energy. So put all of those three things together. And I think what you're going to have is a very, very hardworking, fun team to watch that makes the kind of mistakes that you might shake your head over a couple times and it's going to cost them quite a few games over the course of the season. That's kind of how I picture this going is it's going to be a massive learning experience, but one that's actually very enjoyable to be watching as a fan. That's how I imagine this going. Um, I'm curious to see, I'm very curious to see how the chemistry between 
Fred, OG, and Siakam develops over the course of this year. Um, and I'm, I'll touch on that in a second. <laughs> and I, I'm also very curious to see how the positionless experiment that Nick Nurse and Masai are putting together will work out. That That's another thing that I, I don't know, like it, it just seems like they're they're deliberately going positionless. They're just going as long as they can. Some of the wingspans on these guys are just unbelievable. I, I would hate to try to make a pass against these guys because their their hands are going to be everywhere in terms of passing lanes. And when they do have some practice on the defensive end and develop some defensive chemistry, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from there. And then I also heard that um, they have effectively like a new offensive strategy to deal with the fact that this isn't a, a, the traditional position approach. So I don't have a lot of the details on that. I am curious to see how that, what that will look like and how it translates into, into buckets, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, overall, my impression of this roster is tons and tons of potential lots of energy, lots of speed. And, uh, you know, I'm tempering my expectations in terms of how that actually translates into um, play, making the playoffs if, if they do at all. Uh, and then whether they could even make any waves if they did make the playoffs. So that's, that's my thought. So Sarah, you mentioned length and I don't think that can be understated. I, I watched Scotty put up a shot last night and I think he was contested by either, I want to say Horford. And his point of release is so high. Horford didn't really have a chance to contest the shot. I mean, he's not super mobile either, but you know, his release point is what? If his wingspan seven three, where's he releasing the ball? Like very high. But it, it kind of got me to thinking. So when you look at our center rotation, which will be as the roster is currently constructed, one of or two of Precious, uh, Chris Boucher. Um, do you think that we can, yes, yes. Do you think that we're going to be able to play out the season with this small ball center lineup, given the fact that all the elite teams are, you know, they have legit seven footers, Jokic and Bede, Gobert, um, legit seven footers. Is this sustainable or does it really even matter? It's a developmental year. I think, I think that's a very interesting question. And it's, uh, it's hard to think back to last year and realize, you know, we were out rebounded so badly all the time. And was it, and we had, uh, I don't want to continue to badmouth Aaron Baines because he's not even on the team anymore, but we had a center that didn't jump to get rebounds and one that couldn't catch or create anything offensively. So I, I can't imagine that it will ever be that bad again in that position. And Ken Birch has already shown himself to be um, better than that. <laughs> so, you know, when I hear your question, I kind of hear you say, will it be as bad as last year? And I don't think the answer to that question is yes. No, I don't, I don't think it will be as bad as last year. I think it will be better. However, will the Raptors be able to compete against teams that do have some of these very dominant centers? Uh, I think in some ways that remains to be seen because they're trying something experimental and brand new that will be, I don't know, maybe, maybe this will be a bit of a, a test year to find out whether or not it will work. So I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, when I was thinking about this, there were, there were rumors about Masai and Bobby being interested in um, the center from, he's a backup center for Dallas, Moses Brown. And I well remember the game that he played against us when he was with OKC. And I want to say he um, had 17 or 18 rebounds. He just cooked us. Now he's raw. He's very young. I didn't get a good sense of his offense, his offensive game in that particular game, but he was impressive. So the, the word was that um, it would be Drogic for Brown and maybe another prospect, but they had to wait until sometime in October because Brown had already been traded twice. 
um, from Dallas to OKC. So there was a, a time period where he couldn't be traded. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a move there because all the centers they talked about, uh, you know, in preseason and free agency, Rashawn Holmes, um, the guy from Cleveland, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Love that kid. Jared Allen. Um, they're off the table. So, you know, I, nothing ventured, nothing gained, but I don't see Drogic staying here um, for the whole season. So yeah, Moses Brown would be intriguing, but I, to your point, I think either way, and, and I wasn't thinking, would it be worse than last year? Because I think Ken Burch showed us that he can do a lot. He has a lot of physical tools and he plays smart. So uh, regardless, he is a considerable upgrade from what we had last year. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, okay, well, I think we're going to touch on some of the individual players and what we're hoping to see from them in the next uh, segment here. But um, okay. Before we do that, maybe this is a nice segue. I do want to go back to my point that I was making about the chemistry between OG and Pascal and Fred. So did you hear about the interview that Siakam gave with the New York Times? And he mentioned that he never really felt like the guy and part of why not was effectively because Kyle Lowry was there and he really was the guy and then Fred Van Vliet mentioned in an interview, somebody asked him about that. And Fred basically said, you know, this is a nuance you're not going to really understand unless you're playing at the highest, highest levels of basketball. But he said something along the lines of there is a pecking order and a certain type of, you know, maybe internal team politics that need to be considered and assessed. And that Kyle Lowry actually being the person who, you know, this was his team actually got in the way of Pascal Siakam getting to be the guy. So what are your thoughts on that? That was a super eloquent answer by Fred. He answered that without an ounce of politics in a completely like clear and understandable way. Um, I have no doubt that's correct. I, I'm certain there is a hierarchy. Um, and, and I think we touched on this in, in a podcast before about who's, whose team is it now? So I guess that's going to be the question, right? Whose team is it now? Um, and that's what this year is about. I mean, I see Fred as Fred and OG as probably the chief leaders on the team. So that's my thought. So you, you don't, okay. So if Fred and OG are the chief leaders of the team, what does that mean for Siakam? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, maybe he's just going to have to step up more. I, you know, it's clearly leadership is, is I, I'm thinking dynamic and in the presence of a leadership void, as we're seeing this year, you know, there's a, a place for everyone's role to grow. So I think that's yet to be determined. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm thinking back to not last year because it was a disaster season, but the year before when it was fun after they won the championship. And I remember very clearly that we all spoke about this on the podcast, that Fred and Pascal had amazing chemistry, on-court chemistry together, more so in my mind than Kyle and Pascal. And Kyle played amazing with bench players. Fred and Pascal in particular were just on fire offensively in terms of being able to connect with one another so now we have you know the, the top three players on the team are og pascal and fred I, I don't know i guess i just i just i really wonder how that's going to work out and i am cautiously optimistic that it's going to work out great and then that question of leadership i i wonder <sighs> Yeah, that's, it's very difficult to predict. I mean, I think all three of them, they, they played G League together. Um, I'm sure there's very clear lines of communication. I don't see a ton of egos there um, in, in so far as NBA players have egos. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it's like to be determined. It's, we'll have to see how it plays out. I think it, I mean, I'm going to stray into the territory that I was going to cover in the, in the individual player assessments, but I think if OG is able to stick some of those game winners that didn't fall for him last year, that's going to do miracles for his confidence. 
o- OG or Siakam? Oh, sorry, Pascal. Yes, I said uh, yeah. OG. Yeah. I mean, how many? I think he missed like uh, three game winners, like at the end of the game. So I think if he hits those, um, that's going to have a big effect on him. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. All right. Well, that's that is a good segue. So let let's pop into then a breakdown of you know some of the some of the players that we anticipate are going to be on this year's roster and what we'd like to see from each of them this year. So let's start with Pascal because you seemed like you had something to say and maybe you've already touched on it to some extent. So that was pretty much my point. He just needs to build on his confidence. He has all of the tools that he needs to succeed in the NBA. He's he's a stellar defender. He's got good footwork. He has a top-notch work ethic. But again, some of those game-winning shots, potentially game-winning shots that didn't fall for him. I mean, if they had or when they do, he's very much a, a player who responds to emotion and highs. And if, if they fall for him, I, I think we're going to see a, a different player this year. Mm, interesting. Okay. So uh, in your mind, do you think that Nick Nurse will still be going to Siakam for game-winning shots? Oh, that's the question. Because uh, at uh, the end of the game, uh, there was a, a, a scenario last night against Boston where uh, it was a very short clock scenario and they needed a shooter. And he went, Gary Trent Jr., who's a born shooter. So, I mean, we don't have Pascal, so I can't answer that question. But, um, yeah, that's going to be really difficult. That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think Nick knows is going to earn his money this year (laughs) in terms of the decisions that he's going to have to make about how to fit this roster together and who does what and what in what scenarios okay so back to the question about pascal um for me the thing this is going to be maybe a bit of a soft answer but i'm going to go with it the thing that i would like to see is uh happiness slash joy um and you have it the way you said it was, you know, if his game-winning shots go in, he'll be confident. I almost have it like the reverse, that if he's... It, it seemed to me like last year was a really, really tough mental health year for him. And it seems to me that if he is recovered and feeling better and his mental health is up to snuff, then we'll see the shots fall. That's kind of how I imagine it going. Well, it's quite interesting that we both picked a mental aspect of his game rather than a skill. Mm-hmm. So that that's quite telling. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, I also want to say leadership that I want to see from him, but then I just I just don't even know what that would mean for him but, in the context it, of this team. It, it's interesting because after the fact, we hear so many stories about what leadership actually means to the players. And they, I think, discussed how Kyle bought something for everyone on the team or maybe I'm thinking of someone else and these veterans that always pay for dinners I mean a lot of these young guys are on minimal contracts and that's like that's meaningful so it doesn't seem like much to us I guess um, when these guys are making 10 and 20 million dollars a year but it's interesting to see it, it would be it would be fun to know what the players consider leadership attributes I guess and I'm sure yeah. it's not strictly a performance metric yeah. Okay, great. Well, I, I look forward to watching him play this year. I can't wait for his him to return and I hope his injury recovery is going very well. Okay, next. OG Ananobi. Go, you go ahead, Sarah. I, I, uh, I'm curious. To, I want to hear your take first. What do I want to see from OG Ananobi? Yeah. All-star. All-star breakout year. That's <laughs> what I want to see from this guy. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. And I wanted thing. to get a defensive player of the year nomination or nod at the very least. And I wanted to get on the uh, all defensive teams. That's what I am looking forward for OG this year. All of those accolades break up here. I, I, what I wrote for him on my notes was more of everything. He's looking so incredibly polished. This is the player that I think you and I envisioned was it a year and a half ago when we recorded? Um, I think it was Jade and Essie who felt that he wasn't really going to develop into much more than a defensive specialist. And I think you and I were the, on the other side of the fence. 
I was a bit wrong. I said he would be like a double-double guy. I don't think he's pulling down 10 rebounds most games, but I saw him as a very valuable rotation player offensively going forward. I think you and I were had the same opinion there. So I'm just impressed again, how polished he looks, um, you know, step back jumpers. He went up last night against two guys. He's immensely strong. Um, I just, I like his demeanor. I like his attitude. I like his work ethic. Um, yeah, more OG, please. Exactly. And I know exactly what play you're talking about yesterday as well, when he went up against those two guys and muscled in for the basket and they, they didn't even knock him off course. He, yeah. He's so strong. I, oh, I love it. He's like a, it's like a brick with finesse. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's so apt. And they talk about finishing through contact. That is an absolute case in point. You know, um, very impressive. Yeah. Okay, great. So we're both excited for OG. No, no surprises there. <laughs> All right, Fred Van Lee. So I, I, I'm sure listeners will know, I have been somewhat concerned about, um, you know, Fred doesn't have, and that's the caveat that I'll, I'll make um, to your point about positionless ball. Um, Fred's a very valuable member of the team. He is a leader, but we cannot play positionless ball with Fred on the floor. So my concern is more about the tempo that he plays at. Um, I know that he's rated very highly. He's rated as a top 15 guard. In fact, as high as top 13 in the league. And looking back at last year's number, we were 20th in pace um, in the league. And Fred was second in the league at very late shot clock, very late attempts in the shot clock. And that's from zero to four seconds. So that's definitely hurried when you're down to making a shot with four seconds left. And I'm not talking about at the end of game or end of quarters. That's throughout the game. So I, I'd like to see him get into the offensive sets a little bit earlier and I think by having a group of guys who's going to get out and run, their default is to push the pace and run. I think that's going to facilitate him a little bit in that. But my only concern is like, how do you, we all have a work style and how do you change the style you work at? Like I, I tend to be methodical and nothing's going to change the way like I like to do things properly the first time how do you change the way someone approaches work? Like that's, that's essentially difficult. So, I mean, his defense is impeccable and I mean, he needs to be all NBA defense for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I have visions of him and I've said before, he is a shooting guard in a point guard body. So I was watching last night and we're, we're not going to talk about the players on the bubble of the roster, but just watching Delano Banton and he's far away from, an NBA player at this point but I'm just thinking in two years if he develops and we've got him running a point and Fred off ball that would be interesting because Fred can relocate Fred I mean we saw his shooting last night that would be very interesting to see Delano Banton has length so you know that's my only concern with Fred is just if he could you know increase the tempo that he plays at and again the roster construction might help that that's a great answer. Uh, I really like that one. Maybe I can play off it a little bit. Um, I actually would be curious to see if Fred will play the two already this season with Scotty Barnes playing point, if or at least taking the ball up. I heard a quote from Nick that they're um, working on, it was in the context, he's speaking about Malachi Flynn and Malachi, you know, since grade six, this was what Nick Nurse says, ever since grade six, he's been trained as the point guard position to, you know, wait for the ball, set someone to pass him the ball because he's a point guard and then he'll carry it up the court. But we're trying to get that out of his, um, uh, trying, trying to break that habit because we now we want whoever has the ball to take it up the court and everybody to run. So if that's the approach that Nick's taking already and he's just basically saying if you have the ball in your hands take it up the court I think that does actually open Fred to move out into a two position set of set himself up set himself up for the shot and not actually have to run the offense and I'm going to actually segue right into Scotty Barnes going whoop right right there we're going to Scotty right away what a passer 
wow. <laughs> I, yeah, as I said, he's more than I expected. Just to see the court like that, that's an incredible gift and not everyone has that. Um, he and the no look passes. Yeah, he's, he's going to be so much fun. I'm just so high on this kid. Yeah. And I, you know, I really don't think you're the only one that's high on him. I mean, everyone that talks about him says how unique he is both like, and I think they're talking about him as a person, very unique person. And they all think that he has such a bright future, but you know, on court, I agree with you. It's, I am amazed by his ability to catch errant passes and then immediately from having gathered the ball in, be able to pass it on to keep the play going. So that is, I find this really, really special skill where he doesn't have to recover after catching an errant pass before he can keep the offense flowing. It is outstanding. There was a perfect case in point in that second Philly game. There was a pass um, after a rebound and it was a high pass and he was able to jump and save the pass from being picked off. Like just, you know, amazing. And the other thing is his shot. His shooting is way better than advertised. Um, it sounds like they're reworking his shot. I, I think um, either Matt or Jack said last night, they're working on which finger he releases from, but yeah. just based on what we're seeing, um, as was said before by someone else, his shot's not broken. Um, in, you know, if that's the only concern really um, about his game, like, yeah, he's, uh, can you imagine him bringing up the ball? That would be so much fun. Yeah. Well, and so is, uh, it seems that he's not slated to start right off the bat. And that is, is that your understanding about whether he's going to be starting lineup? Well, that's, no, it's kind of unclear. Like it depends who's back. I think once Pascal's back, probably not. And it probably depends a little bit on Yuta's health. So I, I don't know if we've established that yet. Yeah, I don't know either. I guess, you know, just to answer the question of what do I, what do I hope to see from Scotty by, by the end of the season is I would hope that he's a regular starting lineup based on how things go in terms of roster construction and whatnot. But if you... And, and there's, there's some people saying that him and Pascal overlap that position because um, then we wouldn't be able to have a center on the court if they were there. But that's not the case if, if Scotty's playing point or number one. So you have Scotty, Fred at two, OG at three, Pascal at four, and Cam at five. But anyway, we'll see how that all works out. But it seems to me that by the end of the season, Scotty could be a starter in the NBA. So that's where I'm going. What about you? Uh, whether he's starting or not. No, just, just what's your, what's your, your thing you want to see from him? Um, I think it's, I'm still taking it all in. I actually didn't write anything down for him. I'm still like trying to learn his game and appreciate his game. I just, you know, I just hope he keeps the joy and I, I hope that we as Raptors fans don't ruin him. Oh, okay. I so don't... what you really want to see with respect to Scotty Barnes is for Raptors fans to be nice. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know that's a big ask. Okay. All right. Well, you know, he seems something like someone you just couldn't, you couldn't ever be mean to, but let's see how this goes. Okay. Uh, Chris Boucher. Um, so I, I would like to see as, as fun it is it, as it is to see those crazy blocks when he runs out to the corner three, I'd like to see him kind of close out more under control it's and I know that's so subjective because we're talking about decisions made in a fraction of a second. Like, do I run out of this guy? Don't I? When it works, it works great. When it doesn't work and he flies by, then it's an easy relocate and an easy corner three. So I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Um, but I, I think that he has to kind of slow down the impulse to, to close out there'll be enough opportunities for him to contest under the rim and protect the rim and block shots. So just that's my only criticism. I'll, I'll be so happy to have him back though. He's going to be, you know, an integral part of this team going forward. That's an unfortunate injury, like fluky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nick nurse actually had similar comments to you. I'm not sure if you had also read about what Nick nurse was saying about Boucher. It was actually, how do you control his closeouts better? Oh, and I did not. Oh, really? Oh, well, you're almost, almost word for word on um, what Nick was working on with Chris. Uh, 
he's and he said you know we love watching him fly out and block those threes but actually we're hoping to see less of that this year because he's going to be a more controlled defensive player hmm. so, and there'll be lots of opportunities under the rim what, what about you what's yeah, your thought um okay so uh well, I mean, who could possibly disagree with you and Nick Nurse? So I'll go with that. <laughs> but also, uh, I, you know, it's funny to think of him as being a vet- veteran on this team because he's young. And well, actually, he's not even that young anymore. But um, yeah, so I, I think I'd be looking to him to also be supporting the new guys in understanding the defensive schemes. Yeah, that's... Is he, he's 29, is he not? Is he 28 or 29? He's some, he's in his late 20s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a well, veteran, you're right. Think. It's funny, I don't think of him as a veteran, but by his age, he certainly is. Yeah, and on this team, he particularly <laughs> is as well, because it's such a young team. Okay, so let's move on then to Kim Birch. Well, again, massive upgrade from what we had last year. And I was very impressed with his willingness to shoot Uh, He didn't come to us with any sort of reputation as a shooter. And he basically in 19 games with the Raptors doubled his career numbers. So that, that in itself, that's kind of an indictment of Orlando's developmental system. Um, I'd like to see him continue to shoot. um, But kind of getting back to our conversation before, I think center is going to be a problem. This is a very big ask of him to go against these seven footers like Jokic, who's, you know, for all the talk about Porzingis being the unicorn, Jokic is definitely the unicorn. That guy can do everything at seven feet. So anyway, it's a big ask of Birch, but I just like to see him continue to shoot the ball. And I think we're going to have some floor spacing. So I think that'll definitely be an option. Even if it's a mid range, he, he showed us last year that he can do it. Mm. Okay, great. Um, for me, I'm looking for him to be a consistent, uh, a consistent rebounder with solid rebounding foundation. I just, I just want him blocking out constantly. <laughs> he, he uh, definitely seemed to do that last year. I'd have to look at those actual numbers too, but I kind of looked across the board and everything was improved from Orlando, but yeah, he's a big body. He's clearly a smart guy. So I, I'm, I'm very hopeful for what he brings. Perfect. Okay. And then the, moving on to our next New addition, Gordon Dragic. So I'm going to reveal myself for the petty person that I am. I want him gone. I want him off his team. Um, I guess I should be nice. I didn't write anything down. He's a veteran. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I really have nothing pleasant to say. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for letting us know how you feel. <laughs> All right. Well, what I'm looking for from him is consistent outside shooting presence. Uh, somebody joining Fred in the backcourt for being a threat for the three-point ball. Somebody who's going to space the floor and uh, just, you know, make defenses stretch. And yeah, that's that's what we need from him. I hope that he also brings a certain um, veteran presence. And he had some really really nice things to say about Scotty Barnes yesterday and um yeah I mean do I think he will be gone by the end of the season I do think so um in the meantime I would expect him to be professional and play his game if he could be half the player he was in Miami's uh finals run then you know it's it's that'll be good for us it'll be good for the young guys to see that but yeah I agree he's he's gone some contender will have a a key injury and need a point guard late in the year before the trade deadline so yeah he's he's gone all right okay well let's move on then to Gary Trent Jr. wow born sniper (laughs) so (laughs) that guy he can shoot um the only uh, after watching him last year my my thought was I'd like to see him more involved on defense and he's got the length and he's got the speed um I'd like to see him increase his steal rate um I, I look at someone like OG and they've basically he's roughly doubled his steal rate in the in his four years in the league and I'm not comparing Gary Trent Jr. to OG um but again Gary Trent has some length and quickness and 
you know, I just wonder if he's not familiar with the Raptor schemes or it just if it's his defensive reads, knowing when uh, when the hole is coming, where the pass is going to go. Um, you know, I, I did notice he was much more involved in the defense and his on-ball uh, defense in last night's game particularly was much improved. Um, he He's certainly going to be a nice pressure relief valve on the offense for us, but if he can improve his defensive reads and get in the passing lanes, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, interesting. So I don't know how fair my comment is, and um, it's been so so long since I've watched him play meaningful basketball. Um, but I think for me, he still feels um, young in the sense that I think there's like a, like an intelligence factor for him to up this year. The Raptors coaching schemes are really, really, they're, they're built for highly intelligent basketball players, high IQ, high basketball IQ. And I think that he has it in him to have that basketball IQ. I'm just not sure that he's reached that level yet. There's almost like a next level of maturity for him to reach. And then I think that would translate into what you're talking about for, um, you know, making those good defensive reads. And also I think of that as making really good plays on offense as well and making the right decisions. But I, I think you're right. It's a function of, he's a very young player and this is his second system in two years. So that's going to be a bit challenging. So now we know that he's locked in for three years. He can learn the system. So I think that's definitely within his reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I look, I'll, I'll be watching for that over the next, uh, next few months here. Okay. Next, uh, Yuta Watanabe. Yeah. I'm really disappointed not to see him. Um, he's another guy that's almost um, doubled his career number since coming to the Raptors. And he was so much fun to watch last year. And I think the only knock on him was his, the, his, you know, seeming apathy and looking for his own shot. He was very willing defensively, but when it came to looking for his own, he wasn't there. Um, so I want him to, to look for the three, shoot the three and try to get his own within the flow of the offense. Um, he's definitely there defensively. So that's, what I'd like to see. How about, how about you? Well, similar, but I also wonder how that's going to play out because um, he has, he has said that when he was playing for the national team over the summer, um, Japanese national team being designated as the first option for second option as the lead player on the team made the difference for him he was able to go be very aggressive and go after a shot and so obviously he's bringing that experience back but he is not the designated top player on the team right so i guess i wonder what that means for him like what does he need to uh, grasp in terms of his own role to be able to play that role here um, and, and, you know, it kind of reminds me of, it's not, it's not the same, but it a little bit reminds me of how I, Norm was so much better as a starter uh, than he was coming off the bench, Norm Powell. And it was like, as soon as he knew he was in the role, he thought of himself as a starter. And when he was starting, he played better. Um, I just wonder how much for Utah, he needs the actual role given to him versus something that he takes. But he could be that guy on the second unit. I mean, that spot's yeah. there for the taking because we were woeful on offense last year, our second unit. Um, the starters would keep us in a game and the second unit would come in or parts of it and the offense would basically sputter to a halt. We would go long stretches. I want to say five, six, seven minutes without scoring. Those yeah. offensive droughts were really, really hard to watch. So he can have that role off the bench. Good point. It's, Very good it's point. there for him. All right. I like it. Let's see. Um, okay. Uh, you, I, I agree with you. We're almost rounding this out now. Precious Achua. Wow. So I'm, I'm just learning his game too. And I, I don't have much to say. I'm so impressed with his ball handling. I, I mean, I, I, I knew of him from his reputation and I, I knew that Masai, and I think you heard me mess, met, mention him last year. I, never expecting that he would end up with us. Um, his ball handling, so impressed. 
the only thing I notice is it just, he needs to improve his touch at the rim. And I mean, we're three games in it's exhibition. So I'm not even finding fault, but just an observation, um, just sort of improve his finishing. His trajectory is clearly going straight up. Um, this guy is like Montrez Harrow with skills. I'm, I'm so happy he's on our team. So that's, <laughs> I love this kid. What do you, what do you think? Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I need to temper my answer with saying, I don't think I've seen enough of him to really have a good sense of his strengths and weaknesses yet. Um, so just in terms of, you know, what do I want to see from him this year? Again, I'm just looking for another big physical body underneath the boards. I would like a physical player on the Raptors. And I think that's the role he plays that he is. And his decision-making, when he makes a decision, he's going to the rim with force. So he's going to be so much fun to watch. And I think as uh, maybe as a fellow African, he's going to be a really positive influence on Pascal. Like, I think this is, this is going to be good. Oh, good. All right. Well then let's move to the last one on our list that we're going to cover today. Malachi Flynn. Oh, this is a bit of a hard one. I, I I saw a lot that I liked from him last year, and I think he was really robbed by not having the G League experience last year, being on the taxi squad, moving back and forth from the 905 to, to the parent team, not having that hurt him. It hurt his development. So I think he just has to work on his role as a floor general, as facilitating He's bread. Uh, his bread and butter is the pick and roll. He needs to work that um, and just concentrate on the fundamentals. Because just the way he's played the first three games, like um, I'm just very concerned for his development. Okay, so you saw you see there was like a setback. I just I didn't see a, a, a see an appreciable leap in his his playmaking, um, his, his functioning at the point that you would expect. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, he's likely to have increased minutes this year, I think, but okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to agree with you on that one. And, uh, yeah, I guess the other thing is pace. I, I loved your answer about both Freddie and, uh, Freddie playing faster and yeah, Malachi as well. That'd be great. It's going to be fun. It is. It is going to be fun. Okay. So uh, that completes that segment. We're going to move on a little bit now into some other around the league team things. So taking a look at the Eastern Conference, we kind of have a sense of who might be some of the uh, top teams in the Eastern Conference this year. Of course, there's Milwaukee and there is the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe Philly goes in there. Where Allison, do you think New York fits in the Eastern Conference? Oh, man, that's an interesting question. Um, I really enjoyed watching RJ Barrett last year. It, clearly, his trajectory is like going up very on a, a very steep um, ascent as well. And Emmanuel quickly was fun to watch. Um, my only concern would be is Julius Randle, are his numbers will he be able to replicate them this year? I mean, he arguably was in the MVP conversation last year. And I think everyone was kind of cheering for him. So um, if, if he can, you know, attain those numbers again, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think that would probably make them like a top three team. I, I don't know, dare I say it, but we have to think of Miami in there too, right? Yeah. And I know Miami certainly... Um, I mean, if you hear the Miami fans tell it, um, they've just, you know, they've discovered Kyle Lowry and <laughs> they're going to the finals this year. So, yeah, I think and uh, whether Philly's in the conversation or not, man, that's a dumpster fire. Like it's going to be fascinating to find out how that plays out. I, I heard, um, uh, I forget who was saying that um, Simmons is selling his house or has his house up for sale in Philadelphia. Oh. Not that that means anything. I mean, but yeah, what an unmitigated disaster that is. Like, trust the process. Man, the process is dragged on for a few years now. <laughs> like all those firsts and what do you have to show for it? It's kind of like the Boston scenario, right? They had all those firsts and Danny Ainge just messed around and, you know, now he's gone. Like it's, 
to have stable leadership and have a president, a vice president, vice chairman like Masai, we're very fortunate to have this kind of continuity. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping for Brooklyn to fail. <laughs> and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Kyrie. Like, is he really going to sit out their home games? Like, like what would be in the collective agreement for that? Do they have to pay him for games that he sits out voluntarily? Like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't understand know the answer. like how this is going to work. Yeah. So uh, just to clarify for anyone listening who may not know, um, Kyrie refuses to get vaccinated for COVID-19 and the state of New York and some other states as well. Is it the states or the city? Oh, good question. I, remember. Uh, I think it's the city. Okay. So either New York City or the state of New York, and then similar over in um, for, for Golden State. San Francisco, yes. San Francisco, not California. So it must be the city have basically mandated that not even the players can play in their own stadiums if you aren't double vaccinated. So Andrew Wiggins over in uh, Golden State, he did get his vaccine following that order coming down. He he capitulated and he got a vaccine. He, he um, was dragged kicking and screaming. Yes, exactly. So, but in New York for with with Kyrie, he is still refusing, and now would would not be playing in his own team's home games. He's he's an enormously complex guy. Like I I've. I've seen um, a home decor show where he uh, he enlisted help getting his dad's house um, re- uh, renovated and redecorated, and he was just an enormously like interesting guy. It seemed down to earth, and I know he's um, involved in uh, Native American rights. Um, he, I think he's very complex. I think he's on the wrong side of this. I can't, I can't despise the guy, but I'm just, it's just so perplexing. But I mean, we have to consider the context. This is the guy that may or may not have been joking when he was talking about the earth being flat. So we have to consider it in that context. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. So in, in, in the East then, yeah, I mean, Milwaukee defending, defending champions. So we've got them. Uh, Philadelphia dumpster fire, but they do still have Joel Embiid, and he is a very, very talented player. Ben Simmons, I don't even know. We're just going to actually bypass that. Brooklyn, even if Kyrie had to sit half their games, is still playing with two all-stars in um, Kevin Durant and James Harden. James Harden, thank you. I don't know why that just completely blanked for a second. Kevin Durant and James Harden. And Atlanta, Trey Young fabulous player (laughs) wow and they finished fifth last year new york finished fourth last year last year was a very weird year miami of course with the addition of the one and only kyle lowry that they are they are a better team immediately because of that and then we have boston so you know and then chicago chicago is also an interesting team with quite a like a lot of young skilled players and then they bring in um demar Derozan in the off season so i don't know I don't know if the East is the same. I don't really know if I'd call them a powerhouse conference like I have yeah. in the last Chicago, Chicago will be interesting. They had like big turnover. They, they made big changes. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that meshes together. Um, Vucevic, I, I just wonder defensively. I mean, the Raptors always had him for lunch. Um, and we know Demar as much as I, I love Demar as a player and as a person, um, he, he doesn't put out a lot on the defensive end. So I, I just wonder how things will be there. But I, you know, I'm kind of glad. It sounds like he wanted to be out of San Antonio, so I'm I'm kind of happy for him. Yeah, yeah. So like, I guess we'll see how it goes in the Eastern Conference this year. I don't think there's like a really clear top six, or maybe sorry, maybe I do. Maybe I think there's like a clear top six, but I don't think that the I don't know. It's just a bit of a anything. Yeah, it's murky. Eastern Conference. It's murky. It's murky. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about the Western Conference on our next podcast. Um, the last thing that I have um, to talk about is DeAndre Ayton. 
I'm yeah, just... so it's it's been interesting. So uh, this kind of blew up this week, and um, his camp and the son's camp. Uh, there's discussion about uh, that he wants uh, max extension, and Phoenix. It sounds like they're a little bit reluctant to give it to him. So I mean, I thought on the surface of it, it seemed like to use a basketball metaphor, a slam dunk. Watching him in the finals last year, he deserves the super max. He's night and day from the player that I saw in his rookie year. He's he's added playmaking. He's got a shot. There's a lot that he can do. He's got size. He leverages it so well. And I, I think really Phoenix's fate was sealed when Dario Saric went out with an injury in game one because there was no way they were winning with Frank Kaminsky as a backup center in an NBA final. So Aiton's importance, and I think Aiton just kind of wore down there. I, I'm not saying that was the only factor, but um, so I, I think he earned himself a super max. And then I did read an article by John Hollinger, and there's a ton of nuance to that whole super max thing. And he kind of compared um, Aiton's numbers to John Collins, and Aiton isn't anywhere close to John Collins yet. But in a way, uh, an extension is uh, a bet on the future, right? Uh, a hedge on the future. And if you believe this guy is going to be your guy, you want to lock him in. So, I mean, hey, I, <laughs> if I were Phoenix leadership, I would lock him, uh, lock up that contract with the Supermax. But um, so if I guess if they don't, then he will be a restricted free agent and other teams can match um, next off season. So yeah, I, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I really like him. Yeah. So would you give him the super max? Yep. Hell All yeah. Right. But it's not <laughs> my money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And everyone should learn their lessons about not about, about disagreeing with you. They shouldn't do it. All right, we are going to wrap it up with a couple of predictions and skip the next two pre two preseason games because you know what, they just don't really matter. But first regular season game, kickoff against the Wizards this Wednesday. Then on Friday, the Raptors play the Celtics, and then on Saturday, they play the Mavericks. What's your what are your predictions for these games? So one thing I will point out is that young players have difficulty playing on the road. There's definitely a um, mental fortitude required to playing in front of a hostile crowd. So um, with that in mind, um, did you say the Wizards game? I'm sorry, I'm a little bit behind. The, That's the Wizards on the road? Is, no, the Wizards game is at home. We're winning that game. Is Celtics game on the road? In, in Boston. We're losing that. And uh, Dallas? Mavs at Toronto. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, we're not going to win that game. I'm going <laughs> to say, I'm saying one and two. What about, let me guess. Let me guess. Are you guessing three and oh? Oh my gosh. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm actually going to completely agree with you on all fronts, but not necessarily for the same reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go one and two. Really? This is, yeah. I don't know that we've ever I think maybe we've agreed once in the history of the podcast <laughs> this is this is unbelievable no I'm curious why which are, are you picking a win against the Wizards yeah yeah I'm picking the win against the Wizards okay okay yeah first home game back I just think yeah that's well yeah no I think that's going to be a win um Dallas I think is probably just has too much talent um and then Boston I do ugh. I just hate playing Boston. Oh, let's see. Yeah. Let's see what happens in Boston. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can take some wins. But... Well, we were in that game yesterday. That's and true. As, mu as much as you can put into a preseason game, because it's not about the outcome. It's about, it's about the function. But I mean, that was not a good look for Boston yesterday. Yeah. I mean, we, we were missing four rotation players. They were missing, was it two Schroeder and uh, Brown? So yeah, that came, came down to the last second. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll anyway. see. Maybe it'll be two and one, but I'm going one and two. Okay. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. We're so excited that real basketball is starting. And by the way, I don't count any of last season as real basketball. Last season was a mess. <laughs> this is the first season of real basketball since the pandemic started. <laughs> and I'm very excited. So uh, welcome back to Toronto all the Raptors and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon. Stay Raptors fans. Woohoo. We the North baby. <laughs> <laughs>